today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. We begin in verse 23. Hear now the word of the Lord. One Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, he and his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're on a series, a Lenten series. We started last week. It's a series that was uh, uh, based on a book of the same name written by Reverend Matt Rawl. And in the series, we're answering the question, what makes a hero? What makes a hero? We're looking at some comparisons each week and how heroes apply to these struggles and then more importantly, we're looking at the comparisons through the lens of Jesus and how Jesus redefines what a true hero really is. Spider-Man is arguably one of the most popular superheroes of all time. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I, I loved all the movies that have come out, some better than others. Some actors better than others. Um, we won't get into that. But at, at first, if we look at the character of Spider-Man, at first he was not a, a very proactive hero. Think about it. Right after receiving his powers, he had the opportunity to stop a fleeing thief, but he didn't. And ultimately, the thief would attempt to steal uh, Peter Parker, who is Spider-Man, attempted to steal his Uncle Ben's car, and of course, being Uncle Ben, he refused, and then the thief shot his uncle. And Peter finds his uncle, realizes what happens, and then he is full of guilt for not having done anything when the shooter had run towards him earlier, and he just let him go because he was mad at the business owner that the guy had just robbed. So at that moment, he commits to using his powers for fighting crime. One thing I want to point out, though, right before that incident, Uncle Ben had just left a voicemail on Peter's phone because they had been in an argument. And he, he uttered a line that resonates with me, and perhaps you know what I'm talking about, and because perhaps it resonated with you. He says, with great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. What a motto to live by if you're going to be a hero in someone's eyes, amen? In the stories, the hero always seems to know what is right, right? Uh, they, they can easily distinguish this, and, and even though they're not always successful in the very beginning, they always know what is worth fighting for and what isn't. So the question for us today is this, what is right for Christians? What is right for us as followers of Jesus? 
sometimes scripture is very obvious about what is right and what is wrong, right? Thou shall not. Right? A little bit obvious. Now, some of them can get a little tricky. Um, and come this fall, we're going to actually have a, a Ten Commandments sermon series, but that's for another time. So you get to mark your calendars. But, but sometimes scripture is very much uh, uh, um, uh, obvious about what is right, but there's, there's other times where scripture is not as obvious. Listen to Jesus out of Mark chapter 5. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. He says, But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Well, which is it? <laughs> right? <laughs> who gets rewarded and who doesn't here? That begs then the question for us today when scripture is not always so obvious what is right? What is right? How do we always know what is right? Could, we, uh, could doing right also mean doing wrong? Now do I have your attention? Immediately, this, this makes me think of the story of, of Robin Hood. Or a, a, a real-life story, the story of Rosa Parks. By not giving into injustice, even though it meant breaking the rules at the time, Parks helped set this country on pace to fulfill the statement that sometimes we so often take for granted, but we say almost daily, perhaps. The statement is with liberty and justice for all. Sometimes doing the right thing means society will see it as wrong. Sometimes doing right means breaking the norms. Sometimes doing right may even mean breaking the rules. But this, however, opens up another can of worms, right? <laughs> what are you saying, preacher? <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Why do we have rules? Rules are important. Let's take the game of baseball, right, coach? Rules are important. Without rules, there would be no order governing the game uh, and make sure it's played fairly. The umpires are very, very important. <laughs> For those who don't know, I umpire high school baseball, so. They're there to ensure that the rules are enforced properly, at least we hope. But without rules or without proper governing, let's go beyond the game, for example. Let's take Major League Baseball, for example. They have rules against players taking certain substances. And they ban players for extended amounts of time when they discover these banned substances. Why do they do that? It's because 
these substances give athletes an unfair advantage over those who actually train properly. These are good rules, amen? Think about the Olympic Games and a few years ago, the incident with the Russian Olympic Committee where they knowingly and willingly gave their athletes performance-enhancing drugs. What happened? They received a pretty big suspension. Rules are there for a reason. They ensure fair and equality for all. These are the good rules. But there are rule, but the question is to are there rules that exist that are made to be broken because they get in the way of doing what is right? Think about it with me. As important as rules are, they aren't perfect, and they never will be, amen? I don't want you to ever think for a second that I'm telling you to break the rules. So just listen carefully, amen? Got it? But this part is important. When the rules breed injustice, abuse, and discrimination... We have to ask some certain questions. When rules breed injustice, abuse, and discrimination, we have to ask, who is making these rules? Why are they being made? And for what purpose are these rules attempting to or actually being placed into existence? Let's look at our example from Scripture today out of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus and the disciples were walking along and they were hungry. But because it was a Sabbath day, it was against the rules to pick food to eat. Jesus said to do it anyway. And when questioned by the holy rollers, he essentially threw their question back into their faces by bringing up an example from one of the greatest and most revered Jewish kings of all time, King David. This wasn't Jesus, though. Uh, this wasn't his way of telling them off or, or, or burning them, as they say nowadays, right? This wasn't his way of doing that, just for asking the question. But it was his way of getting them to think about the humanity of the question. Jesus knew what the letter of the law read. Jesus knew what it said, but the reality was that there was genuine human need. They were hungry. In this moment, hunger superseded the letter of the law, which in that moment was just a bunch of words on paper. Folks, listen closely. Rules are needed. We've got to have them, and they're there for a reason. But just like on this day when the disciples were hungry, folks, listen to this. Rules should never stand in the way of grace. Rules should never stand in the way of grace. According to the human and societal law, Jesus was a terrible rule breaker. He healed and fed on the Sabbath. He dined with sinners and outcasts. But in reality, did Jesus ever do anything wrong? Jesus never did anything wrong. Sure, people question him, but name one thing Jesus ever did that was utterly and blatantly wrong. Bet you can't, because you won't find any. 
Even Pilate himself, the governor, said, I find no basis for this accusation against him. Folks, it's not that Jesus was breaking the rules. Rather, he was redefining them. You have heard it said, but I say to you. How many times have we read that in scripture? You have heard it was said, but I now say to you. Folks, Jesus sought to understand, and he sought to amplify the law, bringing to mind what motivates us to do wrong rather than focus only on the wrongdoing itself. Jesus always cared more about the heart than what was written on paper. Amen? According to Jesus, listen to this. This is where it gets really good. Y'all ready? According to Jesus, it wasn't about doing right. And it certainly wasn't about doing wrong. But according to Jesus, it was entirely about doing what was holy. Preacher, what's the difference? Folks, the word holy is a significant word. And it holds a significant meaning. But it's very simple. You want to know what the word holy means? Here's the simplicity of it all. Holy simply means belonging to God. It means belonging to God. It is of God. It literally, figuratively, and all the other leaves you want to put in there, it belongs to God. Jesus was God in the flesh, the Son of God, belonging to God. And for his holiness, you know what Jesus was rewarded with? A cross. For his holiness, Jesus was rewarded a cross. The cross, folks, is our ultimate example of what it looks like to do what is holy rather to do what is right or what is wrong. Jesus transformed this symbol of death and humiliation into a symbol of hope. Jesus didn't submit to the cross because it was the right thing to do, folks. Jesus submitted to the cross to show that God can transform even death itself. Following Christ, folks, is not about being right. Following Christ is certainly not about being wrong. But it's about continuing God's story through the holiness of living. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Folks, holiness is our calling as Christians. Living in a way that belongs to God is our calling as Christians. Yes, there is right. Rules help us understand the boundaries and offer order to our daily life. Yes, there is wrong. Sin leads to oppression, damaging of souls, and the breaking of relationships, and greed, and profit, and selfishness over others. The gospel calls us, though, to an even higher calling than discerning right from wrong. We are called to do that which is holy, that which belongs only to God, so that the eternal life of Christ might be shared here, that it might be shared now, and that it might be shared forever. Because guess how long the gospel lasts, friends? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
breadth. That's how long the gospel has been impactful. And that's how forever long the gospel will be impactful. Jesus is a hero not because he fights for what is right and resists what is wrong. Life is not a series of choices. Rather, it's about our relationships with one another and about our relationships with God. Jesus redefined the rules and brought them to completion so that way we might have the opportunity to be a holy people. Does holy mean perfect and utter perfection? No. Holy means what? It means belonging to God. Jesus redefined the rules and brought them into completion so that way we might have the opportunity to love God back and truly be a people who belong to God and do the things that God would have us to do and live the lives that God would have us to live and treat others the way that God would have us treat them. Folks, there is right, there is wrong, and in the resurrection reveals that there is also holy. Well, preacher, here's the big question. How can I be holy? How can I belong to God? I'm glad you asked. You see, I want to share with you the way the Urban Dictionary Online defines holy. Because I think this will help answer that question. Because it answered the question for me. You ready for this? It's written in your uh, sermon outline if you want to keep a copy of this. But I'll do the best to, to track you along here as best I can. This is what holy means according to the uh, Urban Dictionary Online. It says, to be holy is to be pure, innocent in all that you say and do, having no hidden motives, wronging no one. It is to be as open-hearted as a little child and transparent in spirit as the crystal sea before the throne. To be holy is to be a keeper of all promises and restorer of all good things. Holiness is the foundation of all right relationships and the standard for all actions of all people at all times. What would it look like if we strive to live like that? Folks, are we ever going to get there? No chance. Don't think we are. This is not about getting there. This is about the journey of living. Right? There is no perfection in this world. We can't find it. There was only one who was perfect, and we can never be completely Jesus because we aren't part God like Jesus was. We are fully human, and so we can never be holy, but we can live a life that tries its best to look like this. What would it look like if we all tried our best at all given times to live a life that was holy? Folks, I implore you, we are called to do more than just simply follow the rules. If, if, if that's our calling, then we can just stay in these four walls and act like a club and not risk doing anything to change the world. But folks, listen to this. That is not what we are called to do as Christians. 
Jesus taught that the gospel is about being more than what is right. The gospel is about more than being wrong. The gospel and living a life like Jesus would have us to live is about being holy. It's about doing and living in a way that belongs to God. Did I just tell you to go break the rules? Did I just tell you to go live like Jesus? Absolutely. That's what I'm going to strive to do. And I believe that's what this church wants to strive to do. What does it look like if we become a holy church seeking to live, to love, and to serve like Jesus regardless of what society's view of that is? There is right, there is wrong, and then there is holy. Let us commit to doing, acting, and being the people who belong to God. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, our hymn for going forward and invitation this morning comes to us from the, uh, the celebration hymnal, the other hymnal there in your pew backs. It's page 492, but of course the words will be on the front. It's at Calvary. Historic song. One I grew up singing my entire life. But it's a song that is so pertinent today. Mercy. There was grace. And grace was free. We know it wasn't truly free, but Jesus is the one who paid the price. Jesus is the one who made it possible for us to seek to live holy lives, those that look like Jesus' life, those that belong to God. So what do we need today? What do you need today? We all need something different as we prepare to go into the world. I encourage you to use this time, use it as you see fit. Maybe you need to go to God in prayer. Maybe you need to be at the altar rails on your knees. Maybe it's just being in the moment wherever you stand or sit as we go through this song. Maybe it's, it's saying the prayer, Lord, come into my heart. I want you to live through me. I want to be holy, and it starts with you. Maybe that's a prayer that you pray. Maybe it's something that you lead others into this week. Whatever the Lord is calling you to do, to look and to live a holy life, Prepare yourself to do it as you go forward today as we sing this song. Page 492, we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. Let's stand together as we sing.